are witnesses to how God has moved in this journey. How through the detours, through the chaos, it's changing us. No one said this would be easy. We can't stop now. It's time. Time for daring, for endurance. We have been called to act, to go for our neighbors, our community, the generations to come, to take the wheel and forge on. It's time for the next leg of the journey. It's time to put in the hard work. So get in. We are going places. It's go time. All right. How are we feeling this morning, everybody? You feeling good? Yeah, super, super excited. All of you guys who are in the room, we're so excited to have you here. Those of you who are joining us on live stream, we're really thankful to have you joining us that uh, this way as well. And you guys, I am I'm so excited because this weekend we are starting a brand new vision series that is called It's Go Time. And this series is easily the most exciting thing that is happening this weekend, by far. I heard there's a little football game going on today. That's nothing compared to what's happened here at the Medina East Campus. And uh, now, but we are we are genuinely really really excited about this series, and I'm so glad you guys are able to join us. I want to say I see some people coming in who maybe are looking for seats. If you are looking for seats, I see some over here, and so that could be an option if you want to take a walk that way. That'd be really good. But um, let me just tell you guys this vision series, just to kind of set up where we're going to be going for the next six weeks together. This vision series is going to be different than anything that we typically do on a weekend service here at Grace. So I just kind of want to help you understand that, that the next six weeks are going to look categorically different than what we typically do on a weekend here at our church. And so uh, maybe I can just help by giving a little bit of a framework or maybe a category for how to approach these services. Okay, so I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of this vision series as a family conversation. All right, that's how I want you to think about it. And so really, uh, a vision series is a way that we wanna try to gather the family of Grace Church. So people who would say that the Medina East Campus is your home. If you're part of this church, you would say this is your family. Uh, This is like a family conversation. And so this is a way uh, for us to talk about the unique moment that we find ourselves in as a church, and then the unique opportunities that we think lie ahead of us as a church and then the ways that we can collectively work together uh, kind of towards the future that we believe that God is leading us into, okay? So, and even more, I would say this, even more than a family conversation, I actually want you to think of it like this. We are preparing for a family journey. And so uh, what I mean by that is this, is that the goal of this series is not just to talk about something, and the goal of this series is not just to learn about something, which of course we hope that you learn about something, But actually, the real aim of this series is that we want to go somewhere. So our hope is that as a result of this series, that this is a call to action. It's a call to uh, our church family unifying ourselves in a common direction. So that's what we're doing in this series. Now, let me just say to you, I know for some of you, this is your first time here. I know for some of you, you would not consider this your church home. I know for some of you, you're still investigating Grace Church. Some of you are still investigating Christianity. You're trying to figure out whether you wanna follow Jesus and what that includes and looks like. And you might hear me say that this is a family conversation and you might immediately think, well, that means that I, the series is not for me. Uh, That must mean that this is an insider conversation and I'm on the outside 
And so are you saying that this is really not a series that I should be part of? And so let me just speak to you, and can I just tell you that I am so unbelievably grateful that you are here. And I actually believe that even though in this series we're gonna be primarily talking to the person who calls Medina East Campus home, that this is actually a helpful series for you. I wanna invite you to listen in for the next several weeks because I believe that quite honestly, if you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and if you're trying to figure out whether this is the church for you, I don't know if you could pick a better series because in the series, you're gonna hear about our heartbeat and you're gonna hear about where we're going. And my hope is that maybe this would be an opportunity for you to jump in on, uh, on the journey that we're on together, all right? So that's what we're gonna do. When you guys walked in, you got these journals, okay? I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab that journal. And if you would, if you would take a moment and you would open it up, and if you can find a pen around you or share a pen, and if you could write your name in it, all right? I want you to write your name in that and maybe even uh, write your phone number or an email address. So in case you leave it behind, that we have a way to get that back to you. Let me tell you what this is all about, all right? So the reason that we wanted to give every single person a journal is because our hope is that this will serve as a little bit of a field journal for you throughout the duration of the series. So how do you use it? Okay, well, I'm gonna ask that maybe you bring this with you every week, that you would use this to take notes during the messages. So over the next weeks, we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff. I think it might be awesome if you were able to have uh, those things documented so you could refer back to them. I wanna ask that you take this with you to your life group Take notes, because a lot of the conversations you're gonna be having in your life group uh, kind, of, uh, kind of dovetail with what we're talking about on the weekend. I wanna ask you, would you write any prayers or thoughts that you have throughout this series? And my hope is that by the time this series is finished, that you will have kind of a memento, a little bit of a keepsake of uh, something that you can go back to. And so weeks and months after the series is done, you can refer back to this and you can, you can look back to the things that God taught you, the things that God said, and maybe even some of the commitments that you made to what Jesus might want for you. Okay, so that's what you're gonna do with those journals. That's uh, really, really kind of an important thing. Okay, so uh, what we're gonna be talking about, the name of our vision series is called It's Go Time. That's the name. And I think the, probably the most logical question is, okay, well, if it's go time, where are we what? Where are we going? That's the most obvious question. If someone said it's go time, I'd say, well, where are we going? And, uh, and that, I want you to know that's what we're gonna talk about. In, in the next several weeks, we wanna talk about the direction we believe that God is leading us right now as a church. But before we get into that in the next weeks, before we talk about where we're going in the future, I actually think before we look forward, it's first important that we start by looking back. And so this week, what I wanna do is I actually wanna spend the entire time that we have together really just talking about what has happened over the past few years and the moment that we find ourselves in right now. So before we talk about what's coming next, I wanna just review sort of where we've been and where we're at right now. That's what we kind of wanna to do together. So I think the best place to start in this whole conversation is to take you back to February of 2020. So if you are a person who's been coming here to the Medina East Campus for more than three years, you would probably remember that back in February of 2020, we started a conversation about pursuing a 10-year vision journey together. And in fact, uh, if you were here in February 2020, I actually showed you this image. This is a picture I showed you back in February 2020. And what we said is we said that because of the unique opportunities that are in front of us as a church, we said that we wanna pursue a vision series, our vision journey that lasts a decade. We wanna have a 10-year journey where we're pursuing a vision together. And we said the way that we wanna approach that is in three distinct phases. Okay, phase one, phase two, phase three. Each phase, approximately about three-ish years long. So that's what we said. 
Now, if you guys were around, February 2020 began phase one, and that was something that we called Here We Go. That was the name of the first phase. Now, let me just ask you, for those of you in the room, how many of you were part of Here We Go? You were around for Here We Go, you're part of Here We Go. Okay, that's a good amount of you. There also is a good amount of you who are not here in February 2020, which is why it's important to take a moment and kind of review sort of what we talked about and what we said. Here's what we said back when Here We Go started. We said that this journey, this vision series that we are in together, this vision journey of 10 years, we said that what is behind it is a scriptural conviction. There's a conviction that we find in the pages of the Bible that is informing this vision that we're pursuing together. And what was that passage? Well, the passage of the Bible that we looked at together was Psalm 78. And here's what Psalm 78 says. It says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. We'll tell about his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and he established the law in Israel. Now pay attention to this next part, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children so that the next generation would know them, even to the children yet to be born, who in turn would tell their children. And so, so what do you see in this passage? Here's what we said. We said, you see an incredible window into the heart of God, and you see an incredible pattern. And what is the pattern? Here it is. The story of God, we, we would say the gospel, the story of God, the gospel, is intended to be passed down generationally and relationally that it is one generation that turns and imparts the gospel to the next, who in turn imparts the gospel to the next generation. And here's what we said. We said this pattern that we see in scripture is something that we want to be, uh, is a pattern that we want to define our church. We wanna be a church where every generation is looking back to the generation that's coming behind it and pouring into them the good news about who Jesus is. We said that's what we wanna do. And so because of that, this caused us to say that in this vision journey, we wanna pursue four areas collectively together. And here was the four areas. We said that first and foremost, we wanna make a serious investment in kids and students. We said that we wanna be a church that is all about investing in the next generation of kids and students within our church and within our community. We wanna pursue that together. Here was the second pursuit. We said we wanna pursue campusing. We wanna be a church that is committed to pursuing the next generation of churches in new communities. So we don't just wanna be one church that grows bigger and bigger and bigger in one location. We said that our desire is that we would be a church that plants new churches into new communities. That's part of our desire, all right? We said that we wanna be a church that's investing in leadership development. And by that, what we meant is that we wanna be a church that's investing in the next generation of leaders within our community and within our world. And then we said that we wanna be a church that's invested in outreach, meaning that we don't just wanna be a church that exists for ourselves. But increasingly, more and more, we want to be a church that blesses the community and the world that we live in, that we make an impact in those areas, okay? Now, here's the thing, and I'm sure you guys can all appreciate this. Uh, when we looked at these four areas, we set goals and we actually set plans around all four of these areas that we were committing to together through Here We Go. But here's what I'm sure you guys can all appreciate. Anytime you try to plan 10 years in the future, or any time you try to plan three years in the future for that matter, or any time you try to plan three days in the future for that matter, there's always a tension that you face. And I'm sure we all understand this. I actually think it's actually a very, I think it's a very healthy tension. I actually think it's a biblical tension, but it's a tension nonetheless. And what is the tension? Well, here's the tension. On one hand, there is wisdom in planning and in diligence. 
There's wisdom in making plans. There's wisdom in setting goals. There's wisdom in being diligent in those things. And this is actually what the Bible's gonna say. So the, proverb, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, seven, it says that we should prepare our work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and then after that, you should build your house. So what's the book of Proverbs saying? It's saying this. It's saying it is wise to plan things out. It's wise to think things through. It's wise to count the cost. And, and that's actually a big thing. So, so we would say that, yeah, that, that's part of the tension we face. But the other side is this, is that we cannot rely solely on our planning. So at the same time, while we plan for things and while we make goals, we also have to do that kind of loosely because we know that we can't, so the book of James says this. It says, you don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. And so you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live or we will do this. And so here's the tension, right? We wanna be diligent to plan and prepare, but we also wanna be open-handed that whatever God wants to do is what God is going to do and we're just gonna follow him as he leads and as he guides, okay? So here's the question that I want us to think about today is um, since we started, here we go, three years ago, since February of 2020, have things happened the way that we planned them to happen? Or maybe here's another way that I can say it. Since February of 2020, has anything unexpected happened? That's the question I want to kind of think through, all right? So, so that's what I want to talk about. I actually want to talk about what has happened over the past few years and then what is the moment that we find ourselves in right now and has it changed anything? Has it changed any of our plans? So that's what we're going to think about. And the way that I want to address this conversation, you guys, just so you know, is I want to invite you to think with me about three specific areas, okay? So here, here's what we're going to talk about. I want to invite you to think about the culture with me for a moment. So I want to first talk about the culture. Here's the question. What has happened in our culture over the last three years? What have been unexpected things that we've seen happen in our culture? And what is the moment that we find ourselves in today as a society? All right, then number two, I wanna talk about the church. And when I say the church, by the way, I want you to understand I'm not just talking about this church. I'm actually talking about the church in America. What has happened to the church in America in the past three years? And what is the state of the church in the country today, in our country? And then number three, I wanna talk about our campus. And so I wanna kind of narrow in and I wanna say what has happened at our campus over the last three years and what is the moment that we find ourselves in here today? And I just wanna kind of let you know the conversation that I wanna lead you through this weekend is actually a conversation that I was able to have with our leaders and our staff over the fall and over the summer. Um, and when I was talking to them, so I wanna kind of catch up to speed with what we talked about, but I want you to know that when I was talking to them, this is what I said. I said, my hope is, as, I, as we think through these three things, my hope and my goal is to kind of be like a dehumidifier, all right? So my goal this morning is to be like a dehumidifier to you. And you're like, that is weird. What does that even mean? And here, here's what we mean by that. I think we all know how a dehumidifier works. A dehumidifier takes what is in the air, what's already in the atmosphere, it pulls it out of the air, and then it shows it to you. That's what a dehumidifier does. That's what I wanna do for you. My hope is today is that as we talk about the culture and the church and our campus, is that I can pull what's out of the air. There is an air that we're breathing. There's a cultural atmosphere that we live in. We all feel it, but we can't always see it. And so my hope is to pull it out of the air and give us something to talk about, give us some language to talk about those things, all right? So having said that, let's just start by talking about the culture. What has happened in the culture over the past couple of years or a few years, and what is the moment that we're in right now? Well, the most obvious starting place, I mean, the most obvious unexpected thing that has happened is that there was a pandemic, 
right? There was a pandemic. All of us would say, yeah, absolutely, undoubtedly, that is the most unexpected thing that we could have imagined. I'll tell you what's interesting, though. I want you to think about this with me. If you look at a definition of a pandemic, so this is the definition, a pandemic is a sickness prevalent over a whole country or the world. That's what a pandemic is. I think you could actually build a case to say that there hasn't been just one pandemic that our society has faced. I think you could actually build a case that there have been many pandemics. Actually, uh, I actually really appreciated, there's a guy named Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer is a missiologist, which means he studies trends in culture and in the church. And he actually pointed out, he said that he believes that there's actually been multiple pandemics that have occurred over the past two or three years. And so he would say that, yeah, there has been the health pandemic of COVID-19, but there's also been a widespread sickness across the nation, a pandemic of distrust. He would say there's also been a moral pandemic that we've seen. He would say there's been an identity pandemic, speaking mainly about issues of sexuality and gender. And he would say that there has been a mental health pandemic. Many of you know the last few years have brought with it historic levels of anxiety, depression, isolation, and loneliness along with it. And I'll tell you, uh, there's a lot we could say about those things, but can I just tell you what I appreciated about that was that I felt like when he said that, it helped articulate what so many of us are feeling. And that is this, that there are multiple tributaries that are contributing to the cultural flow and the cultural moment that we find ourselves in right now. It's not just one thing. There's a lot of things that are contributing to the place that we find ourselves here today. And, and you know, it, it would take us all day if we wanted to talk about each and every single one of these things. But can I just tell you that just for the sake of our conversation, I think that there's three cultural trends that have happened and are happening right now that maybe kind of uh, undergird all of these things. And so what would those be? Well, well, first off would be something called a moral convulsion, a moral convulsion. Uh, sociologists, sociologists and social commentators would say that what has happened in our country over the past, since, since the pandemic, is that we are undergoing something that they would call a moral convulsion. And maybe you've never heard that term before. What is that? Here's what a moral convulsion is. It is when the collective state and understanding of morality, of what's right and wrong, has been shaken and is being rethought as a culture and as a society, all right? So when you guys think about, for example, when you think about the amount of heated issues that have emerged over the past few years that have led to deeper distrust and polarization in our society, there are so many things that are involved in that. And so, for example, think about the differing views of responses to COVID. When you think about different ideas and opinions and emotions about vaccines, and when you think about masking and social distancing, these are heated and divisive topics. When you think about the political tensions that emerged over the past few years, when you think about the racial tensions that appeared over the past few years and reappeared over the past few, when you think about the heated conversations about sexuality and gender that continue to be a major conversation that we're facing today, all of those things contribute to a further distrust and a further polarization that we're seeing in our society today. And I'll tell you, it's interesting. Um, they would actually say, social commentators would say that characteristics of a moral convulsion would include these things. A moral convulsion is when people feel disgusted by the state of society. It is when trust in institutions plummet. So institutions like educational institutions, authority institutions, um, religious institutions, political institutions, trust is plummeting, moral indignation is widespread, 
and contempt for established power is intense. And so because of this, when this happens, people start to deconstruct everything. You guys have probably heard that. That's a buzzword. People are deconstructing their faith. People are deconstructing their ideas of politics and government and those kind of things. And that's something that we're facing right now. Now, you pair that moral convulsion with another trend that we're seeing happen right now. And the next trend is this. There is a rapid acceleration of change that we are seeing. Change is happening so quickly in our culture right now. Uh, There was a a really interesting and helpful article that actually uh, sort of went viral back in, uh, it actually was right at the beginning, uh, right in the middle of 2020. I think it was in, what was it, July or June of 2020. The name of the article was June of 2020. The article was called Waking Up in 2030. It was written by a guy named Ross Duthot. And basically what he did was he predicted that the pandemic would accelerate cultural changes that were already trending in one direction that would have taken a decade for, for that change to happen. But because of the pandemic, it accelerated those changes in a matter of months and years. And so I'll give you an example. He would say that uh, when you look at things like um, remote, remote work, like working, working remotely, or when you think about online education, these are trends that were already happening that because of the pandemic, those, those trends have accelerated faster and further so that when, when we get to 2022 or 2023, he would say it'd be like we woke up in 2030. We'd be in a different world. Um, another example of this isn't just online stuff, but uh, I, I think you could also kind of build the case that there's a lot of different areas where you're seeing this accelerated change. I was just thinking about this the other day. I want you guys to think about how crazy this is. Even just the views of marriage in our country. So it was in 1969 that the Stonewall uh, riots happened. Some of you know what those are. Some of you remember that happening. The Stonewall riots where actually uh, people would look back and they would say that was the beginning point of the push for same-sex marriage. That would have been during the Stonewall riots. Now think about that. That was 1969. It wasn't until 2015 that the Supreme Court in our country ruled that same-sex marriage was something that was legal all across the nation. Now you think about that. You guys, that was a change that took over 45 years to happen in our culture. You compare that with the conversations and the views that we have about gender identity today. You guys, those have excelled in a matter of months and just years, quickly. The views of those things as a culture are changing so fast. So there is a rapid acceleration of change. There is a moral convulsion. And the world that we find ourselves waking up in, when we're waking up in this new world, is we're waking up in a world that is increasingly a post-Christian environment. That's the third trend. The culture that we live in today is increasingly becoming a post-Christian environment. Now, what does that mean, a post-Christian environment? It means that more and more, and you guys already know this. Again, it's just a dehumidifier. I'm just pulling out of the air what we already feel. Uh, What it means to be a post-Christian is it means that more and more, our culture is pushing Christian morals and pushing Christian ethics out of the public sphere, and it's privatizing it. And so Christian morals and ethics and beliefs are being pushed out of educational realms. It's being uh, screened out of HR and a lot of those things. And you're feeling that and we're seeing that happen within our society today. There's actually a really uh, interesting book that was written just recently by a guy named Stephen McAlpine. It's called Being the Bad Guys. I think the title says it all, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't. And he actually does something really interesting in his book. He traces American history and, and uh, specifically Christianity and American history. 
And he would say that only a few decades ago, only a, few, only a generation or two ago, in our society, Christians were considered the good guys, is what he would say. And so uh, basically, for the most part, our country was one that held a, Ju- a Judeo-Christian ethic. Uh, for the most part, people, who, uh, who, people of faith were people who sat in seats of influence. And for the most part, we, those who followed Jesus were considered the good guys. Well, he would say there was a slight change that began to occur where we went from being the good guys, followers of Jesus went from being the good guys to just being one of the guys. And so basically, we started to live in a world where people would say, if you follow Jesus, that's fine. But if you don't follow Jesus, that's also fine. And so uh, people of faith, um, even though they, they weren't viewed as exclusively the good guys, they were viewed as one of the guys. They had a seat at the table, right? However, he would say that, per, that there has been a precipitous change and that more and more increasingly, as we get into a post-Christian world, um, people who follow Jesus and those who would, would, would have Christian morals or ethics are being viewed as the bad guys. And so no longer is it that Christians are one of the guys. Christians are part of the problem. And so the views that we have are no longer viewed as just another option. They're actually viewed as something that is, that is a harmful and hurtful to the advancement of where we're going as a society. All right, now there's a lot more I could say about our cultural moment that we're, we find ourselves in, but I think these are some important trends. Now, let me just also say this, you guys. I know, especially for those of us who follow Jesus, that what I'm presenting to you doesn't necessarily sound like great news. Some of it sounds like some really bad news. And I just want you to understand, I, I get it. We as humans, we have a natural bias towards bad news. And so I am not trying to say that there's nothing good that has happened in the past few few years in our society. I'm not trying to say that at all, nor am I trying to sensationalize this by saying that this is the worst moment we've ever seen. I don't think that's true. I know some of us, we get real riled up and we're like, this is terrible. There's a moral pandemic. Christians are the bad guys. Our pets' heads are falling off, right? We're like, it's bad right now. And, and let me just say, just look, look, just we gotta calm down. All right, turn to your neighbor and just say, hey, look, calm down. All right, that's good. They calm down. And, and listen, I don't think, I do not think this is the worst moment we've ever seen in the history of whatever. All right? I'm not saying all this. Kind of, but at the same time, you guys, I do believe this. I believe, and I think, I think, my guess is we probably would all agree with this. The world that we find ourselves in today is a very different world than February of 2020. Something has shifted. Something has changed, which leads to the second thing. And that's what, what about the church? So what is happening in the church? Well, you guys, there's a lot we could say about this one too, but I actually just want to mention for our time's sake, three trends that are happening right now in the American church that are unlike anything that has ever happened in the history of the American church in the past three years. The first one is something that is called uh, the great sort. Now, um, some of you have actually heard me talk about this before. I talked with our leaders about this this past fall, and actually in a sermon, I mentioned this. But the great sort is actually a term that was first coined by Outreach Magazine back in 2021. And this is what they said in Outreach Magazine. Um, If I can get my PowerPoint clicker to work. Let's see, there you go, yeah. So the great sort took place in 2021, not because of the pandemic, but because of social and cultural concerns. So huge numbers of people moved from church to church for reasons that are only tangentially related to the pandemic. So basically, here's what happened. They would say in 2021, there was this massive reshuffling that happened in the American church where people who went to churches got up and reorganized themselves and sorted themselves into new churches. And basically the reason that happened, they would say, 
are because of ideological issues. So for example, many people who are connected to a church, maybe even for a long time, decided to leave their church and go somewhere else based on their church's view of masking. So some people left their church because their church required them to wear a mask. Some people left their church because their church did not require them to wear, wear a mask. They shuffled themselves and sorted themselves according to their view of masking. Some people left their church, maybe a church they were part of for a long time, because the church mentioned the name George Floyd. Some people left their church because the church never mentioned the name George Floyd. Some people left their church because their pastor prayed for President Biden when he was elected. Some people left their church because the, president, because the pastor didn't pray for President Biden when he was elected. And all we're saying is that a lot of people, many, many people who are connected to a church, reorganize themselves based on minor disagreements or major political differences. That is called the Great Sort. And they actually predicted, they actually said that by the end of the Great Sort, by the time this is finished, the average church in America will have churned by a third, a third, and a third. So the, in the average church, a third of the people would have uh, strengthened in their connection to the church, a third of the people would have weakened in their connection to the church, and a third of the people would have disconnected altogether to either go somewhere else or to go nowhere at all. This is what's called the great sword. This is what they're talking about. Now, what that leads to is if the average church is strengthened by a third, is weakened by a third, and sees a third disconnect, what that means is that the average church in America is going to be a third smaller by the time this is over, which actually leads to the second trend in the church, is that the church is shrinking, the shrinking church. I don't know if you guys know this, but there was a, there was a historic moment that happened in 2021 for the very first time in American history in 2021, US church membership fell below the majority for the first time. It's the first time that's ever happened. In the history of our country, people who are connected to a church would be considered the majority. But now in 2021, there's been a shift where now it is the minority. If you're connected with, to a church, that's the case. And you're seeing a rapid decline in the connectivity to churches. And I'll tell you what maybe is the most, to me, is maybe the most disheartening, is we actually know where most of that attrition is coming from. We actually know who's disengaging the most. And you know who it is? It is the younger generations. And so one of the saddest realities is that the church in America right now is both smaller and older because the next generation, the emerging generations are missing more and more in the churches that we see around us. So there's a lot more we can say about the church, but you got the culture, you got the church. Now let's talk about our campus. So let's think about us here, okay? So like I said, family conversation. What has happened here over the past three years and what is the moment that we find ourselves in? Well, can I just tell you guys, I think that the easiest, at least the easiest, the most visible starting place that we can begin is to talk about our weekend attendance. Now attendance is not everything, not by a long shot, but it's an important indicator and it's a very visible indicator. So what has happened to us? Well, let me just show you a very simple graph. This is January 2019 all the way to January 2023. It covers about a four-year period of time. You'll notice that before the stay-home order happened, we were averaging about 11 or 1,200 people here on a weekend. And interestingly, we actually had the highest recorded attendance, a historical attendance, the week before the stay-home order, which is interesting. Some of you guys were here during that. Uh, we had just got done with Here We Go, and we, we were like, I mean, there was so much momentum, and we're like, here we go, and we're like, where are we going? We're like, home, <laughs> and it was like, it was kind of a sad moment, but uh, so we, we, this was our weekend, we had the stay home order, 
And then you guys might remember we were online for a period of time. In this, in this little gap, I preached an Easter sermon on the roof of our building. And then we started to regather. And we began to meet together here. We had social distancing and online services and different protocols that we did. And then we actually had a tent outside and we slowly regathered until you got to the fall of 2022 where we, we effectually regathered to where we were pre-pandemic. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the past couple of months, if you look at December and January, you'll see that we have uh, experienced this, which is awesome, which is really good, right? It's, it's okay. It's a, it is okay to clap for the things that God has done and is doing. And we have seen that uh, the past couple of weeks have been some of our historic largest attendances that we've had, which by the way, again, this is just a gentle reminder in love to everybody. We have Saturday services here at Grace. And um, if you, I'm just going to tell you this, if you go to Saturday services, we will throw on 10 years to, to your eternal life. Uh, so that's just a, like a bonus and stuff like that. No, but for real, um, we've, we've, we've been noticing that that's been taking place. Something else I gotta tell you that's been really encouraging to us, there is a, as we look at attendance, there is a new, there is a new data point that we did not have before, uh, before February of 2020, and that is our online service views. Okay, so uh, we have a lot, you guys might not remember this, we didn't have live stream as an option before COVID, and so since that has taken place, we now have been keeping track on, this is views, amount of views that we get on a typical weekend, and so there's a lot of you who are probably watching on live stream right now, I'll be honest with you, we don't really know how to interpret these numbers. We don't really have a good way to do it because we don't know, for one thing, when someone is, we don't know how many people are in the room when you're viewing this. We also don't know how engaged you are. Like it's, if you're watching on live stream right now, I don't know if you're multitasking or doing a bunch of things. I don't know how engaged you are. But then again, I guess I don't know how engaged you guys are in the room either. So anyway, so that's, that's something that's been interesting. But guys, here's what I wanna show you is that we have not just regathered, we have grown. We have grown through this, this period of time. But I also want you to hear me say this too, that even though we have regathered and we have grown, we have not necessarily regathered with the same people. And I just want you guys to know that some of that churn that I talked about, we have seen that. We have seen that. We have seen that there have been some people who were connected to our campus who for some of the reasons that I mentioned earlier have disconnected from our campus. And we have seen that there are some of you who are here at our campus for some of the reasons that I mentioned there just previously. Now, I'm not entirely sure what to do with that, except to say I'm a dehumidifier and that's part of the reality that we're facing right now. Now, that churn hasn't been a third, for, it hasn't been that big, but we have seen it. We have seen that take place. And you guys, I also want you to hear me say this. The past few years have not been without challenge and they have, they have not been the easiest. We have experienced as a campus, like many of you guys have over the past few years, we have experienced a lot of turbulence. It has not been easy and things have not always gone according to plan. But can I also tell you, and I need to tell you guys this, I also need to tell you that by God's grace, the place that we are sitting right now as a church is a very exciting place. And I gotta tell you this, that by God's grace, and it's only by his grace, I believe that what God is doing in his church here at our campus right now is truly unique. I think it's a unique thing that he's doing. You guys, if you go to our website, if you go to, uh, to medinaeast.gracechurches.com, and if you click on, there's a portion that says it's go time. And if you click on that, there's a lot of data around the things that we're talking about. I would encourage you to check that out. There's one spot that's on there that's called look what God has done. 
And in that section, we just highlight some of the ways that God has been working over the past three years here at our campus. I just wanna show you a few of them. So if you go to the website, you're gonna find an infographic that looks like this. Can I just highlight a few things that we've seen God do over the few, past few years? First off, you guys, since February of 2020, we have seen 173 people go public in their faith with baptism. Isn't that awesome? That is always a number that we get jacked up about. And that number, by the way, is a little bit outdated. I think that's a couple weeks old. Even since then, that number has grown. Even just a couple of days ago, we saw uh, someone get baptized. Another thing that we're really excited about, you guys, is that we see over 425 people in average weekly attendance within our life groups. And I, I guess I want you to understand that that right there, that is an anomaly. That is both the highest number and the highest percentage that we have ever seen as a church of people connected to biblical community. And that is the exact opposite of what's happening in most churches in our country today. Most churches are not only shrinking in attendance, but their biblical community numbers and life group numbers have dwindled down substantially through the pandemic. You guys, I gotta show you this. This blows me away too. I wish I could talk about all this. Our new construction has commenced. You know, uh, some of you remember in February, 2020, we said that part of our dream was that we wanted, to, we wanted to build new spaces for our next generation ministries, for power kids, for student ministries, and for the equipping division. Well, of course, when the pandemic hit, the very first thing we did was we hit pause on all of our construction because we said, we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what's happening next and we're just gonna have to wait and see. So we waited a year and then we hit play and we started to go through the construction process again. Well, then you guys remember, some of you guys remember, that was when construction after COVID, all, all the, the craziness that happened with the construction numbers, that was an inflated thing. So it went in over budget and we had to talk about that. And yet here we are in February of 2023 and that building is over here. And you guys, we are like a month, months away from being in that new space. It's crazy to think about how even God's faithfulness, through, it didn't go exactly like we planned, but here it is. You guys, this blows me away. When you look at the amount of kids and students that are connected to our campus, over 1,600 kids and students that are connected to our campus in one way or another. Now, of course, we're not gonna see 1,600 kids on a weekend, on one weekend. It's, it smells that way sometimes, but it's not true. Um, but you guys, in one way or another, 1,600 kids and students, 569 middle school and high school students, 180 young adults in their 20s that are here connected to our campus. If you guys compare those numbers to what we saw in February of 2020, you would see that in every area of kids and students and young adults, we have seen more kids and students and young adults get connected to our campus. And you guys, that is exactly the opposite of what is happening in the church in America. And God is doing something very unique in these ways. And then I wish, again, I could talk about all of it, but I'll just mention one other thing. 10% of Here We Go Giving, we were able to commit to our local and global partners. Some of you might remember, and some of you were part of this, Part of Here We Go included a three-year financial commitment. A lot of you are giving to that. It started in March of 2020. That commitment ends in March of 2023. So that's next month. And you guys, you guys might, might remember back in February of 2020, we collectively committed by God's grace that we would give $2.8 million over and above to the things of Here We Go. And you guys, I, I, I'm just blown away by this. Did you know that as of today, this is February of 2023, we are on pace to achieve 102% of that goal, which blows me away. And then, yeah, and then the craziest part of that is that we are able to give 10% of that 
away to our local and global partners in a season in which ministry was the most challenging, we were able to come alongside of them. I just think it's awesome what God has done, what God has done. So you guys, here, here's the thing. I, just, I, I show you all of this not, not to say that there hasn't been any challenges. And I show this to you not to say that we've done everything right or we've been perfect because God knows we haven't. And I show you this not to say that there hasn't been any challenges because God knows there has. I'll be honest with you, these past three years have been the most challenging three years that I have ever seen in my life in ministry, by far, easily the hardest. But the reason I show this to you is because you guys, I just wanna tell you that God has been so faithful to us in such a hard season. God has been so good to us. He's been so good to us and he's doing something unique in our midst. So here's the question. The question is, where do we go? Where do we go with all of this? So, so where do we, you know, what do we do with all of this? You have the culture and the church and our campus. Three years ago, we said, here we go. The question that I'm asking today is where we go from here. That's what we're asking in this. Where do we go from here? And you guys, I, I just want, want you to hear me say, I believe that this moment that we're in right now in the culture and in, in, in our church, I believe this is a very exciting moment. I think it is. It's unlike anything we've ever seen in history. And you guys, I think for sure, followers of Jesus, we shouldn't walk around with a deep sense of fear or self-preservation. Not at all. Not at all. I think this is an amazing opportunity that comes with incredible biblical responsibility. You guys know what Jesus said about us, about his disciples? He said, you are the salt of the earth. And he said that you are the light of the world. And some of you guys know this, salt in the first century was a preservative. It was an anti-decaying agent. So what do you do when you live in a time in a society where morality is decaying? You need the salt. And what happens when we're in a moment that's particularly dark? We need light. We need the light. And here's what I'm convinced of, you guys. I am convinced, I am convinced that the moment that we're in does not change for a moment the mission we're on. It doesn't. In fact, I think in many ways, the moment that we're in should only strengthen our resolve and our commitment. You know, when I was uh, talking to our leaders in the fall, I came across this story that I shared with them. And I just tell you, it resonated with me so deeply. It resonated, because I thought, man, it, it, I believe that this really truly is the need of the moment. And the story, I just thought I'd share it with you. The story was actually in a, a biography uh, about a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Now, some of you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Maybe you've heard of him before. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you haven't heard of him, he was a very influential German theologian and pastor during World War II. You want to talk about living through a dark moment. Uh, he, was a, he was trying to lead God's people in World War II in Nazi Germany. And if you guys know anything about his story, Bonhoeffer became very discouraged and he became very disillusioned when he saw that the church in Germany was compromising. Some of you know the story. The German church was experiencing incredible pressure from the government, and the Nazi regime was effectually telling pastors what they could and couldn't say, and there were certain things that you could and couldn't do, and as a result of that, there was compromise that was happening where followers of Jesus were compromising on some of the things that, that, uh, that Jesus taught about discipleship to him. So Bonhoeffer's response to this was that he actually developed an underground seminary in a place called Finkenwald. You can actually visit Finkenwald. It's in uh, modern-day Poland. And uh, this was a small little sem underground seminary that only existed for maybe two years, and it only trained about 50 or 60 people. But what it was training these young men and women is it was training them in what it looks like to live out radical discipleship to Jesus, radical allegiance to Jesus. 
And what's interesting is that this, this community of people were used powerfully by God in the years after they left Finkenwald. Well, the story in the biography basically said that Bonhoeffer had a friend. His friend's name was Neisel. And Neisel heard about the seminary and he came to visit Bonhoeffer and he saw the seminary. And when Neisel saw the seminary, he was blown away. He said, I have never seen anything like this. It is amazing what you guys are doing. Your dedication and your devotion to following Jesus is unparalleled. But Neisel told his friend Bonhoeffer, he said, I, I do have to tell you though, I'm a little bit concerned. He said, it seems like your level of devotion to following Jesus and being disciples of Jesus in this generation is very extreme. That's what he told Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer, in a moment of brilliance, said to his friend, I want to take you on a little field trip. He took his friend Nysel, and the story goes that he took him to this spot up on top of a hill. And on top of the hill, at the same time in the distance, they were able to see two things. On one side, they were able to see the Finkenwald Seminary. And on the other side, they were able to see a Nazi training facility where planes were taking off and landing and where soldiers were marching and that whole thing. And this is what Bonhoeffer said to his friend, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what Bonhoeffer said to his friend. He said, over here, these men are being trained night and day for a kingdom of cruelty, that's what he said. He said, and over here, we are training men and women to be disciples of King Jesus in the kingdom of God. And this is what he said. He said, and the need of the moment is that this has to be stronger than that. This has to be stronger than that. I love what Pastor John Tyson said about this moment. This is what he said. He said, here was Bonhoeffer pointing at a ragged little school for preachers and then pointing at Hitler who was amassing his troops. And in a prophetic tradition of contrast, he said, this must be stronger than that. It's amazing to think about how just a small little school that only lasted for two years that probably only trained 50 or 60 people produced a society so strong that today we talk about the fall of the Third Reich and the rise of the church. This must be stronger than that. You guys, when I read that, it resonated with me so deeply. I wrote it down, this must be stronger than that. Now, admittedly, I am not trying to say that the place that we find ourselves in is even comparable to the place that Bonhoeffer found himself in. However, I do think that the need is the same. You guys, what if this... What if this, for those who are part of the Medina East Campus family, what if us, what if we, what if disciples of Jesus who took seriously living out and loving our king, what if that was stronger than that, than any political group or interest group or social group or pressure group is to their allegiance to their agenda? You guys, what if this, what if we were more intentional about pouring and investing in the next generation for the cause of Christ than the culture is at discipling the next generation? Because let's be honest, you guys, the culture is great at it. They're great at discipling our young people. You guys, what if, what if this, what if followers of Jesus, what if our hospitality and love and even love for those who disagree with us and who are our enemies was stronger than that, than the vitriol and the hatred and the cancel culture that we see around us? What if this were stronger than that? And so you guys, here's what I believe. You know, this next, this next, next leg of the journey, this next phase is called it's go time. It's called it's go time. And we're saying we wanna go somewhere. And you might be saying, where are we going? 
And we're going to talk about that. But can I tell you, I believe that before we take a step forward, that before we go forward, that the way to go forward is that we first have to go back. I think we gotta go back. I think we gotta go back to the things that Jesus said. I think we gotta go back to the things that Jesus promised. I think we gotta go back to the basics of what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus and just be excellent at those things. When I think about where it is that we should go, I can think of a place that our savior commanded us to go. You guys remember what Jesus said about our going? Jesus said in Matthew 28 that his disciples should go and we should make disciples. In other words, Jesus said to his disciples, I am commissioning you into this world, into the world, into the culture, not away from it, not in isolation to it. I'm commissioning you into this world so that you can go and proclaim the good news about me. And here's what I believe. I believe that every church, every local church, and our local church, you guys, this is our moment. As a, as a family, as a church, this is our moment. And I believe that we have the responsibility as disciples of Jesus to figure out what it looks like to live obedience to this commission today in the moment we find ourselves in. And that's why I wanna tell you that I am convinced, I am convinced that there are four areas that we collectively can go together, four ways that we can collectively go together. And here they are. I believe that we are uniquely positioned to go to the next generation in an unbelievable, unprecedented way. I believe that we are positioned to go to our neighbors. There's incredible opportunities that are in front of us. I believe that we are positioned to go into new communities by campusing and church planting. And I think that we are in a position to go into all the world. And so you guys, here's what I wanna tell you. Here's the game plan. For the next four weeks, what I wanna do is we're gonna spend time talking about those four things. So that's a, a roadmap of where we're going. And each week, you guys, I am so excited to tell you about what's happening, the opportunity in front of us, and ways to get connected and involved to those opportunities. But I also wanna let you know, and I just, full disclosure, I want you to know that all of this is gonna culminate in the last week of this series. And the last week of the series, which is March 18th and 19th, it's gonna be called Go Together. That is going to be a commitment weekend. So I'm just gonna tell you what we're gonna do. On commitment weekend, I am going to ask every single person who is part of this, great, of this church family to commit together. I'm gonna to ask you to make commitments. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask for some of you to get off the bench and get in the game. I'm gonna ask for some of you to get back in the game. I'm gonna ask for some of you to reconsider what it looks like to follow Jesus in this next season as we try to do those things corporately together. And what are we gonna be asking for commitments? There's three commitments that I'm gonna ask every person in our church. Again, I'm just gonna tell you what they are. Just gonna tell you what they are. Number one, we're gonna ask that everyone prays for their three. Everyone who's part of this church is praying for their three. What does that mean? Pray by name for three people who you desperately wanna to come to know Jesus. Because if 1,500 of us were doing that, that means that 4,500 people are being prayed for by name. Their names are being brought before God. Can you imagine what God could do through that? You guys, the second thing we're gonna ask you to commit to is we're gonna ask you to take your next step. What does that mean? Well, guys, over the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about so many different opportunities. We're gonna talk about so many ways to get involved and get connected. And I just want you to hear me say this. You're gonna hear a lot I am not asking you to do everything. We can't do everything. I can't do it, you can't do everything. It takes all of us. But I am asking you to do this. I'm asking you to do something. And I'm asking you more than anything to talk to the Holy Spirit about what is your next step that God wants you to take as we collectively follow him together. 
And the last one is we're gonna ask you to invest in the movement. Some of you, if you were here for Here We Go, Here We Go included a three-year financial commitment that ends in March of 2023, so next month. And we're gonna ask that anyone who's part of Grace Church would commit or would recommit to giving to its go time for a three and a half year period of time. Now we'll talk in weeks to come about what that financial commitment involves and includes, but I just want you to start praying about those things even now. So guys, let me just say that before you do anything, before you commit to anything and before you go anywhere, the first place we always have to go is we have to go to Jesus. We gotta go to Jesus. So, so here is what I'm gonna, I wanna pray for us, but here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this week. This week, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to, to do this one, this, well, I guess I'm, I take that back. I'm asking you to do one thing, um, and it's this. I'm just asking, would you just talk to God this week? And would you just simply pray this very simple prayer? Would you just say, God, would you show me my next step? What is my next step of obedience to you? And you guys, that could be anything. That could be a lot of things. And then here's the second thing. Would you say, God, show me my next step and give me the faith to follow you in it? That's all I'm asking you to do. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I do just wanna say thank you. Thank you for how faithful you are to your church. Thank you for how faithful you are to this church. And Jesus, we recognize that it's, it's, it's because of you. It's for your glory. And, and anytime you, you move your people together in the way that you've done here, we know it's because you don't just wanna bless us, but you wanna use us to be a blessing to the world around us. So God, we wanna to come to you with open hands and an open heart. We have our plans, we have our ideas, we have our goals, but it's your, it's your will. Your will needs to be done. And so take our plans, wreck our plans if you want to. Help us to follow you wherever you want us to go. So I pray, I pray for all of us. Would you, would you help us to see what is our next step? Show us our next step of obedience to you. And God, would you give us the faith to take it? We want to ask it. We want to pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I think of the Great Commission, I think of mission. And so co-mission. Co meaning like, Obviously we can't do anything without Jesus and so apart from him we can do nothing. So like he chooses us to be, um, you know, like his hands and feet and like his voice and I really feel like that's what like living out the Great Commission is. Just like every day, like waking up, praying, asking God to like lead and guide us and like just helping us to be representatives of him and just like every little thing that we do, like driving, ordering food, like working. Yeah, living the example mm -hmm. for others to see. And part of that is we, you have to live the example. You have to be um, like that light and the salt of the earth. So I can definitely tell you, I was not equipped two and a half years ago when I came to know the Lord, but I can tell you that today, I am confident that through Grace Church and its teachings and education, reading, reading the Lord's Word, I understand the gospel today. And I understand why Jesus Christ, uh, why God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us for our sins. And now that I know it, I can't ever go back. And that's what's crazy. Once you know and understand, you can't go back. And I love being able to share my story, 
uh, share how God has worked in my life, the changes that God can make in everyone's life. But you have to believe, you need to understand, you need to get on God's path, you need to follow Jesus. This isn't just gonna happen. I mean, prior to life group, I don't think I would have, if I didn't know cause. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody they, off the street said, hey, I'm going to Turkey to, to help with an orphanage. Um, I wouldn't have gone. No. Yeah, you know, I yeah, hard pass, right? Um, and hearing his story after the first trip, when he came back and explained everything that he did and how he introduced some of these kids to Christ and, um, and that he was organizing a trip to go back, it really, really pulled up my heartstrings. And I, was, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, if you were asked, would you go? Um, and then it's so easy to get caught up in that moment. And you know, I said yes, but I didn't think that I would be asked. There's not, there's not a qualifier on the Great Commission, right, that you must have a seminary degree or a, go to a Bible college or anything, right? It's like, if you follow Jesus, then, then you're qualified. You, being genuine, being authentic about where you are with your faith in Jesus is what, is what moves mountains. And, what comes to the forefront of my mind is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, seeing, you know, really from a very early time. You know, I remember Tony very early with the steering team, you know, just talking about how this was on his heart and spent a lot of time really talking about how do we, how do we apply that? How do we apply that today? How do we equip our church um, to be able to do that? And, and to see us today, um, you know, at, a, at the last time we served at United, so many of those young adults are talking about how this person's discipling them or they're discipling two people and, you know, people talking about the people that are discipling within their life group gatherings and that element of discipleship um, that Christ told us is, is how to build a church. The fact that that's happening here um, and that uh, that only will grow, it's us being obedient to exactly God's pathway for how this should happen. And that's what I see God doing here, and it is awesome. You know, just what God has done uh, from a small group of about 50 people, you know, and even that, Shepherd's Grace, you know, giving them, you know, so much of their faithfulness to make that step to have such a strong, intimate community, but to see the bigger picture of what God was calling you know, for them to be, um, and seeing today what God has done and what He's growing and, and happening in our community, in our schools. Um, what a 10-year journey.